Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some stories are profound, challenging, and emotional, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. All of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. And today you'll get to hear from Rushton. If only my introduction could do her justice. This girl is Mama Five, soon to be six, as she and her husband are going to be bringing home their third daughter from China. They drive a big silver sprinter to transport all their kids. They hold a spot on the citywide list for best Christmas lights every year. They engage in all kinds of fun adventures like top secret missions, disguises, and all the works. And they grow pumpkins, which they sell every fall to fundraise for other adoptive families. And there is so much more. Listen and get a peek behind the curtain of Rushton's adventurous life and how it all began when she let go of control and allowed God to work. You're going to enjoy this one. Here she is. Okay. Um, I'm Rushton, for those of you I don't know. And um, I do kind of feel like other people were asked because they had this, like, really dramatic movement of Jesus. And I'm just weird. And so they wanted me to come. And um, <laughs> But I'm excited to be here. Um, and I know I'll calm down in a minute once I get talking. But right now... This is, I just do not like doing this. Um, the only time I've ever spoken, the power went out in someone's house, and it was at night, so I talked in the dark to a room of ladies, and um, it was wonderful because I just <laughs> couldn't see them. Um, but anyway, okay, so I wanted to start with this quote from um, the movie Cinderella, which I just love. And um, it says, This is perhaps the greatest risk that any of us will take to be seen as we truly are. And I just love that because I feel that's what's happening in Robin's living room every Friday is for women to just open their heart and show who they are. And I think in opening our hearts, you know, you find someone else that you're like, me too, me too, you know, and um, and your relationships go deeper. So I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, I'm going to go through briefly just a little backstory um, of who I am. But I grew up here in Birmingham in Mountain Brook, and I had pretty much an ideal childhood. Just, you know, we had everything we needed. I grew up in a Christian home super involved in church, had a great group of friends, and um, I mean, just really an easy, blessed life. And I became a Christian around the age four. I don't fully remember when it happened, but I do remember in kindergarten being in a Bible club, and um, it was some older ladies. It was in someone's basement, and I remember they made us pray the prayer to receive Christ in our heart. (laughs) And I was so mad. I was like, I already have them in my heart. I'm not going to do this. And so I opened my eyes and refused to, like, bow my head and do it. And they got mad at me and told me to bow my head. And and so all that to say, by five, I knew he was in my heart, but I don't really know when it happened. I just know that I was a little mad. Um, Growing up, though, I really wish I'd had this, like, hellion come to Jesus moment because I didn't know exactly when it happened, you know, and um, 
so I always wish, like, well, maybe I'll go down the path of drugs or boys or something, you know. But really, the worst thing I ever did was I double-pierced my ear. And I called my mom from a phone booth being like, I can't come home. I've done something horrible. And, um, and I remember thinking, how will I explain this whole to my kids one day? Like, I mean, which is so ridiculous. But so that was kind of me. I just was, I, well, I actually was a Bible study girl, and this is my Bible study leader growing up. So I always wanted to know God and to, um, and to please him. But here was my problem. So going back to not really having that come to Jesus moment that I could remember, I just always got scared. Like, what if I didn't mean it when I said it? Or what if my heart wasn't in the right place? And so I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Like, I lost count. It probably was like 10,000 times. And sometimes it was four times a day at school. You know, like in high school, I can remember being at my desk and going, I really mean it this time. Jesus, come in and take control. Um, and anytime there was an altar call at any camp or whatever, I would come forward and I'd ask him into my heart again and be like, this time I really mean it. I'm going to dedicate my life. And um, I just did not have that total, total assurance. Um, Looking back, I think it was because I was trying to control the situation and make it dependent on my heart and what I meant when I said it. And um, it wasn't until college. And I would say this was the first big milestone was really realizing that Jesus had a hold of me. And um, I was reading Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul, and I really don't even remember what it said in the book, but I just remember it just clicked. And I was like, oh, he's got me because he's got me, not because I think I've run to him, you know. And and I'm sure my heart wasn't right when I prayed it 10,000 times, but his heart meant it when he said he loved me, that he loved me enough to send his son to die for me. And um, so there was all of a sudden I was just flooded with this assurance and security that he had me, that I, you know, thought I'd had before, but I would go in and out of believing it. And um. Amy probably doesn't even remember that, but she was my roommate at the time. And I remember turning to her before I went to bed going, like, I know I'm going to heaven. I mean, I know it, you know. And um, and so since then, you know, I've had that underlying assurance. My walk with the Lord has been like this because I'm a sinner and that's life. And there's times I seek comfort in him. And sometimes it's a warm bath with a people magazine. You know, it's like I just turn to him at times and sometimes I don't. But through it all, I've had this assurance that his love is constant and doesn't change. And it isn't dependent on me moving away at times or moving close, that he always loves me the same. Um, So fast forward to I met my husband. um, And he is a little crazy. I thought he was adorable the first time I saw him, and he was playing the guitar and singing, which is funny because he doesn't do that at all. <laughs> but, um, and um, he saw me and thought I had a greasy forehead is what he told me long after that. You know, he didn't tell me that for a while. But um, now you're probably, like, all looking at my forehead. But I do have a big one. But um, anyway, I brought this picture to show you um, what I'm dealing with on a daily basis. This was at the circus this year. If you're my friend on Facebook, you've probably seen this picture. But he went to go get a snack, and he came back, and it's hard to see. But he came back with his face painted like a clown walking up. We were, like, way high up. He had to walk past a ton of people. He has no shame. Like, he will do weird stuff, and he just truly does not care. But, I mean, I was sitting there like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Um, so, anyway, he is crazy, We um, and we live a kind of crazy life. We have a farm where we are growing chestnut trees um, that in a couple of years will produce enough that we'll start selling them, hopefully. We're attempting to grow truffles there, like the 
mushroomy root thing. Um, and we'll know in five years if that worked. Um, and then we grow pumpkins and do that pumpkin sale that was um, on 31. And we do crazy Christmas lights, which has always kind of been a dream of mine, a weird dream. But um, so I kind of love that. Um, so anyway, it's a lot of chaos and busy. And then we have five kids and they are um, 12, 10. I had to look at the paper to know that 12, 10, 7, 6, and 4. And um and I only wanted two growing up. I wanted a boy and a girl. And so I had the boy and the girl, and I'm really not quite sure what happened after that. But um, God just had a different plan for us. Um, the two youngest are from China. And typically, when I have ever spoken in a group, it's only about adoption stuff and stuff that you'll go through when you adopt. And um, But I'm actually not going to talk about that today. But I'll sum it up just saying that it changed my life. You know, it changed the lives of my daughters, my biological kids, and um, my life. And it was just a beautiful picture of just miracle after miracle happening. Um, It was also the hardest thing I've ever done. I joke with people that adoption made me start cussing, and it's totally true. Like, (laughs) I I think it used to be a point of pride, but, like, I would stub my toe, and I don't know why, but I would say shoot fire monkey Um, because I think that our old Dorian coach used to say that. Uh, growing up, I don't know, but um, but it turned to shit, and I think that's okay to say here. And it, and it still, it has stayed. It's like I got to a good point, but the bad words still stay there. But it's my constant reminder that like I can't do this on my own. You know, I need him in every step of the way. Um, and I, I'm just gonna share one parenting highlight. Um, maybe I wrote a couple, but um. One, and I'll just share this one because this is the moment where I finally feel like, okay, I've arrived. Um, I had four kids at the time, and we went to the McWayne Center, and I was sitting by, like, the exit to what used to be where those younger kids would play, but now it's, like, itty-bitty Magic City. And, um, <clears throat> and anyway, we're sitting there, and we see moms run out with their eyes real big, and they're like, there's a kid teeing in the water table. And my friend and I laughed, and then all of a sudden I was like, where's Henry? Where is he? And then I run, and, y'all, I turn the corner in time to see his little honey pulling his pants up. And he had just dropped his pants and TT'd. And it was summertime where it's so crowded. There was a teen volunteer there, and she has her eyes so big and is going to move away from the table. And um, so after it happened, I told a friend, I was like, oh, listen to what happened. And um, she was like, oh, was it so embarrassing packing up to leave? And I was like, oh, no, we stayed another hour and played. (laughs) And that's when I was like, oh, I I finally don't care. Like, Like, we're not going to have it all put together, you know, and it's okay. Um, So I promise it's getting to Jesus in a minute, but I just have to share some of this back stuff. Okay. So now this was the only story that kept coming to mind that I feel like it just encapsulates my life um, that I'll share quickly is the story of my kidney stone. Has anyone in here ever had a kidney stone? Okay. A couple of y'all. Okay. I, I had heard about it, but it is like perhaps the worst pain I've ever been in in my life. Um, And I didn't know what it was. And I just one morning woke up and I had had some back pain and I just literally felt something jump from here to here. And then I was doubled over on the bathroom floor. And um, I thought I was dying. And I thought it felt like like my body was about to burst open and something come out like an alien baby or something. I mean, I was like, I don't know what is going on. And I was like, but I've got to get to the emergency room. And my husband was like, well, let's get the kids to school. And I was like, okay, we can try. Um, But then I was like, I'm not going to make it. And um, so he loaded the kids up in the car, and I was like, on the way to carpool, just 
drop me at the ER. And so he swung by Brookwood. I got out and ran in. I later realized it's not normal to like go in the ER by yourself. But I was like, I don't care. Then he kept going and delivered kids to school and then even went to work because he like had Henry who had strep. And I was like, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I kept picturing waking up. I was going to wake up and like have come out of surgery or something because I was like, there's something major going on here. And I'm, I'm like doubled over the lady's desk being like, I'm dying. You know, they get me back there and the guy, I'm, I had a male nurse and um, he couldn't get the IV. So there was like blood going everywhere. And I'm like, I just, I need pain medicine. I don't know what's happening. I need it. And then the pain got so intense, I started dry heaving. And um, there was nothing, I mean, this should be kind of gross and embarrassing to share, but I'm just going to share it with you. But I, um, there's nothing to come up. So like bubbles are coming up for some strange reason and like guttural burps. And so I'm laying there with my arm with him working I'm burping I'm like foaming at the mouth and I'm like this is horrible and then it starts I can feel the medicine coming in and I just lay there going it's so good it's so good and um anyway so he left the room and then um they did not give me the buzzer to reach the nurse and the pain meds were off in like 10 minutes and um it's like the strongest they can give you and I don't know why it just didn't last but I could not bring myself to get the buzzer because it was like just out of reach and um, so I just start screaming for the nurse going Anita Anita it switched to a girl at this point and um, she wouldn't come and I was like what am I going to do and um, this is when it would be good to have someone with you in the ER because they can go get help but um, so instead I start screaming Jesus go get the nurse because I'm like I know he can hear me and y'all I do not know if there are cameras in the room but I'm like if there was a security guard watching me he probably was like this is wonderful like just watching um but the nurse came and it took three doses of pain meds to get it down but um and then my dad showed up which was great because he realized I was there alone and came and um anyway so then I went home and it was over but um you know and I was on pain meds for a few days before it passed but that just shows my life it is chaotic messy I scream to Jesus a lot I scream out to friends to come help me and rescue you and my family. Um, it's messy. It's very embarrassing at times. You know, it's just, it's just this big ball of crazy. And um, but Jesus is in it with me. Um, and I even saw His hand in that. My oldest daughter has always had a fear of me dying, and we've been in counseling for it. And um, and she was in the car while you know, while they dropped me there and then she goes on to school and, but she saw me come home, you know, and I, you know, I can't promise that every time, but I was like, it was so good for her to see just a real chaotic situation and that God brought me home, you know, and that it was okay. Um, so anyway, this past winter, um, let me get this, that's my ring too. Um, I went through a season uh, and I brought pictures. I decided to pretend like I was student of the week. It's cool. Um, so, okay, this past winter, I, um, it was a total stripping of me, of everything that um, that I thought brought me comfort, of everything that made life easy, of my health, um, just everything that was important to me was stripped away until I felt like I was just left like a naked puddle on the floor with just Jesus. And um, so I'm going to highlight what some of those crazy events were. First was the stomach bug sweeping through our house. Um, one kid after the other, never at the same time. We always had one day where I thought, I think we're well, and then the next one would start throwing up. So that's Rollins passed out with the stomach bug. One was a trip to Mexico, which 
sounds fun. And um, and it, it was. It was a blessing to be able to go. It was our first time to leave all of our kids. Um, but that actually made me really anxious to leave them all and be so far away. And... Um, on the beach, what I picture when I see this picture is Derek turning to me going, hey, can we pray about kid number six? And I was like, uh, I guess maybe. I don't know. And then I'd read my magazine and he'd go, did you think about it? Like five minutes later, and I was like, you got to give me time. Like this might send me over the edge. So that is like my memory that's tied to that trip is Derek asking me every hour, like, don't you think it'd be fun? Um, then here is that I thought Kali sliced her toe off. I mean, it's kind of gross. I took a picture because I text medical questions to my friend Emily. So I was like, what do I do? Um, she jumped on the trundle bed, and that happened. Then we got lice, um, which was wonderful. Robin had it, too. We thought our girls that it was an Asian problem to get dandruff. So I took her to the dermatologist, and then a lice jumped out onto the dermatologist, and she goes, oh, this is not dandruff. And I texted Robin, and I'm like, it is lice. It is lice. Check her head. So, And that makes you lose your mind. I kept calling Robin going, I'm itching. So we would walk in the mornings and check each other's head. I even put a couple of hairs in a baggie that I thought looked questionable. And um, anyway, that makes you lose your mind. But I know that we have life's places that help. Um, okay, then we decided to move. So those are boxes behind Kali. That was the only picture I could think of to go with moving. Um, to redo our house. We talked about it for years, and a rental came open. And so I packed up an entire house by myself. Derek, I think, packed one box. And... Um, Anyway, that is super stressful. I had never done that with a lot of kids. And um, and I ended up having to go to counseling because of it. And um, they told me it's up there with, like, losing a family member, um, like the amount of stress it can put on your life. Now we know that. Um, okay, so the other thing was um, things at our church, which church I had been in the same church for 38 years, um, brought me so much comfort and safety. Things were totally falling apart there and bringing me um, – not peace and security. So this picture really makes me laugh now. But Derek came home from work one day and goes, oh, no. And then he snapped a picture of it. But um, I was laying on the floor crying, and Collie is laying on me playing with toys. Um, and I was just a total mess. Um, and then I injured a saliva gland. Anyone in here ever done that? Um, okay, I didn't even know it was possible, and I don't know how I injured it. But you have to have it surgically removed, which I thought it was like... I mean, I don't know what. I thought it was like maybe cutting a skin tag off, you know. But it's not. It's a pretty big surgery. And I had said, I'll just stay awake for it. It'll be fine. Um, that is not a good idea either. So he said, most people get IVs. But he's like, that's fine if you want to. Um, so this I sent to Derek. This is me right after it happened. I feel like I'm burying my soul showing you all that. Um, yeah, it was not good. And I was on pain meds after that, too. It was bad. Um, so all that happened. And um, I started vomiting. And I vomited for about seven weeks. It was not every day, but um, mostly in the morning. I would wake up and just be so, 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 so sick. And then try to put on a happy face and go do stuff at school or um, whatever. And so I went to the doctor, and they first thought I caught a bug in Mexico, which they tested me. I didn't. Um, then they thought maybe I had stomach cancer or a blockage somewhere. So then I'm living at the doctor all the time, like appointment after appointment, trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And that did not help because, you know, it never helps when you think you're dying and you're already stressed out. And um, 
So anyway, it ended up that I Googled it all, and I was like, I think this may be stress. Like, I'd never put it all together and been like, this just may be too much going on in life. And um, and it was stress. It wasn't. I mean, I, I'm totally healthy. All the tests came back good. Um, But I really look back at it now, and I'm like... There is even grace and vomiting that God knocked me down and made me just rest and reconnect me. I kind of think of it as like a pruning, I think, because we have chestnut trees that we prune. And um, we cut away all the stuff at the bottom that's going to take nutrients so that they'll continue to grow big and strong. And it was like God stripped everything um, he stripped the security of my church, of my health, of the Coopers, who I kind of am codependent on for life, and um, and moved us to a rental house that is not across the street from them. And um, so it's like everything was taken away. And But he was faithful to reconnect me to him. And so that's what I kind of want to focus on now is there's a lot of life lessons that I feel like I got from this past um, winter and spring, but um, I'm just going to boil it down to a few. One is... Um, that I've always had the ability to laugh at chaos. And some of my friends have thought it's a little unnatural, like, you know, like I'd be crying with what you're telling me and you're laughing. And, um, and I've always thought of it as a gift, but I think along the way I lost my ability to acknowledge stress and to be really honest with God and be like, it's too much. And, um, so I feel like he gave me that ability. And during the pumpkin sale, there was a, another series of unfortunate events that landed me back at doctors with a cyst and a, um, benign, uh, what's it called? A fibroid in my uterus. But, um, one night I remember laying in bed and I was like awake and I just go, uncle, I'm crying, uncle Jesus. Do you hear me? Like it's too much. And I think before I'd be like, we can do it. We can do it. Jesus. And I, and I know you can do anything with Jesus, but it is okay to acknowledge like, okay, this is just too much for me right now. And to be honest, um, cause it reminds me of my need for him. And I have been able to look back actually at my whole life since having children and realized that there are multiple times that I thought I had the stomach bug and it wasn't. Um, one, Collie had all these pins and screws coming out of her leg and um, I powered through it for three months and the day I was supposed to fly out to get it off, which should have been a great day, I woke up thrown up and assumed I had the stomach bug and so Derek went in my place. Um, but now I know that was stress. Like I had powered through two months and not acknowledged it and um, it's much better when you're honest with God because you know, then you know what you need and he knows it's what you need to. Um, and I thought about the verse that I love that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And I don't know. It just hit me like two weeks ago that he makes me lie down in green pastures, that I didn't seek the green pastures to lie down and I needed it. And so he made me by making me sick. Um, and it, I mean, it was so gracious of him to do that because he knew that I needed my soul restored. Um, the other thing has been a realization that I find my rest in Jesus alone. And I think my whole parenting life, I've thought it was um, in eight hours of uninterrupted sleep that I would find my rest. Or in a girl's trip to the beach, I would find my rest. Or getting away with Derek, I would find my rest. And um, and all those things are good, but I was always mad when they wouldn't work out. Like, oh, everyone can get away and I can't. No one watch my kids, you know. And I would be mad and annoyed, and it's like I finally realized, wait, that's not, I mean, he can use those things, but he can just use his word to give us rest. He can he can just restore my soul with nothing, you know? And there's a song by Lauren Daigle that I love that's based on Isaiah 40, 31, and it says, 
You are my revival. Jesus, on you I wait. I lean on your promise that you will renew my strength. I will run and not go grow weary. I will walk and not faint. I find my rest in your everlasting name. I lean on my promise, on the promise that you will renew my strength. And I love that it just says find rest in his name. I'm like, I can just say Jesus, you know, and he knows what I need and he can give me rest. Um, and that it doesn't have to always be me seeking it, but he'll give me what I need. And he is in the chaos with me, even if I don't get to go to the beach for another five years, you know, that he's with me in the day to day. Um, and then the last thing, which has kind of been a theme in and out of my life, especially with with adoption, but he did it again here, is the idea that he's always bringing beauty from ashes and life after death and the sun after darkness. And and I feel like that's what we've seen in all the lady stories who have shared, that it's a continual, I mean, and that's the gospel, you know, Jesus died and came to life. Like, it's always a hopeful story because there's always life after death. And, um, and we've seen that in everyone's stories that have shared about painful times. Um, and he's done that here. Um, and so I'll give a little backstory um, about one thing. So I had this weird habit. Um, anytime I've been drugged a couple of times, like through the lip stuff, I've had gum surgery um, from my uh, from my cyst and from my uh, what is it called kidney stone. Thank you very much. Um, and. I, when I'm drugged for some strange reason, look at Chinese children on the internet that need homes. And, but I don't fully remember it. And I'll like wake up the next morning. And, um, and I mean, I'm not drugged that frequently. This is like just a couple of times, you know, in the past two years, but, um, and there'll be like a message in my inbox with a file of a little girl. Um, or there'll be a message saying, we're so sorry. Thank you for your interest. She's already matched. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord, because I didn't even know I asked for that file. Um, and I can remember texting to my friends being like, I did it again. Um, so anyway, during this kind of fall apart, I was like, okay, I got to stop. Like, I've just, I've got to get off all these message boards. I've got to stop. Enough is enough. You know, I can look at my life and say, this, this is enough. You know, I've got what God wants me to have. It's enough. And I, and I feel like my friends in the world can look and be like, enough, enough. But sometimes God says, oh, this is perfect timing. Let's do a little plot twist here. And so here's the part. I actually had to text all my best friends because I was too scared to tell them face to face. Um, but we are adopting again. And so this is the first group that I've told. Um, during the chaos of the pumpkin sale, I don't know why, I was checking my email and I saw this little girl and her name that they were using for her was Sunny, and um, which I loved because, again, it was the life after death theme and you know not that I had died but I had fallen apart and it was like God was just knitting it back together with this little ray of sunshine in it and we just prayed and we couldn't get her out of our mind and um so anyway then I was like okay God this is crazy this is like utterly crazy and all day long I'd evaluate and go I can I can't no I don't think I can oh I totally could do this no I totally can't like it was like this thing playing in my head and it was like one night in the night when I was praying God's like you're asking the wrong question it's is this your plan for me is she your daughter because if she is you can you know and you'll be able to do it and so he got me on track praying the right question and um and then I was like okay clear as day God you've got to write it clear as day and um he really moved in miraculous ways to let us know that she's ours um and I won't share them all but two or three of them um one like I was in the car and I was like, okay, God, today's the day. Like, 
show me, just show me. And we hadn't told the kids. And Carly, all of a sudden, in the back seat, starts going. She just starts humming, going, sunny, 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 sunny. And I was like, Carly, what are you saying? And she goes, nothing. <laughs> and then just got quiet. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, freaking out. Um, Derek told me that he... Um, when we were first adopting May Sim, so like seven years ago, before we had been matched with her, that um, we were riding in the car somewhere, and he was in the passenger seat, and he goes, I just had this, like, vision cross across my mind where I saw our Chinese daughter, and um, and I saw what she looked like. And he goes, Colleen May Sims have not been her, and I think that this is her. Um, he was like, she seems familiar, and I think that it's because she's who I saw those years ago. Um, so it's just been... I feel like very comforting because we know it'll be hard. So we need those things to cling to. Um, another one was in the midst of just being like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, was when Mary Wyatt shared. Um, and she said, it almost feels reckless, God, to trust you this much. <laughs> and that's how I felt like this just feels a little reckless. But um, but he used her even saying that to be like, yeah, it is going to feel reckless. And that is OK. And that's what I mean, that's what the Bible is. It's about faith and stepping out Um and if you knew where your feet were going to land, it wouldn't be faith. You know, there's the unknown. Um, and I think about in Joshua where they're going to cross the Jordan River. And it says, when the priests who were carrying the ark came to the edge of the Jordan and set their feet in the water, the water stopped flowing upstream and then they could cross. So it wasn't that they stood at the edge and God parted it and then they walked. They put their foot in and then he parted it. Um, so I'm not under no illusion that this is going to be easy, but we are so excited and um I'd always joke that Kali needed a twin, and they are actually two days apart in age, so they're going to be twins. Um, I mean, so that's another little thing. I don't know how Kali will feel about that, but um, she doesn't seem to understand right now. But our kids know, so now I'm letting it out after today because um, we've just kind of told random people. and I, So now I just want everyone to know. But we can't share her picture yet, but I can show you on my phone if you ever want. Um, okay, and I'm going to close with this because I know I'm going long. I wanted to... Um, Close. I told Robin I was going to make something for y'all because sometimes I like making crafts. And so here I'll show y'all what it is. Um, it didn't quite go as planned. But <laughs> um, and these were twenty five cents at the dollar store. So don't think that I spent a lot of money making this. Um, okay. So has anyone heard, ever heard of this Japanese thing called Kent Suji? I know Robin and Emily have. Um, okay. Well, I. Okay, and years ago, I um, wrote a book that's, oh, I've never told anyone <laughs> except Robin. And she goes, what? When we went walking last week. Um, it's just on my computer. I think it's just for me. But I'm going to read you an excerpt from it because I've never um, read it to anyone. But, um, okay, so... Yeah, I think I'll read it first, and then I'll tell you. Okay, so in Japan, there's a practice known as kintsugi, which is the art of repairing broken pottery. They mix powdered gold, silver, or platinum with lacquer to fill in the cracks on all types of pottery, resulting in a beautiful, unique piece of art. Rather than hide the damage, the breaks are highlighted. Its history is something not to be blended in or covered over, but something to be revealed. And as a result, the piece is more valuable and beautiful than before. There is now a story to be told. At the end of the day, I feel like that cracked and mended piece of pottery. Sometimes he shatters the pieces and puts them together in a different way. Sometimes he just chips a little. Sometimes I shatter it all and he picks it all up. But I see the beauty in the cracks that he has so faithfully mended. My hope is that you will experience this in your life as well. Um, 
And so I was like, I'm going to try to make some Kent Suji. Um, well, it's kind of funny and ironic. It is really hard. So here's an example of one and then glued it back together with the gold. But um, it is hard to make the thing crack how you want it to. You know, like I was like, I just want one crack. I know it's the whole point of it. I kept, and I shattered about 10 like to smithereens um, dishes. And I was like, I think I finally got a technique because I got one that just did one crack. And then I tried and I could never get it to do it again. And I was like, that's the whole point. Like we can't pick where we want our cracks to be. Like it's totally God cracking it how he wants it. You know, again, me trying to control. But, um, and then he puts it back together in a beautiful way. And the, the scars and the cracks tell his story and it's a beautiful story um so I made faux ones for you that are just they have the paint down it that you could use like a ring dish or or give it away or something but um but just as a reminder that that there's beauty in revealing I actually said to Robin I've learned I'm gonna show my crack and she was like no don't say it like that um, so that um <laughs> Um, But anyway, that's the end of it. We're so glad you joined us today for Rushton's story. And if you're curious about that Kintsuji process of porcelain repair, you can visit our website at storytellerslive.org. And under our show notes, we have a link to an article that has images and um, some details about the process. And it's just such an incredible illustration of what Christ does in us and through us. Um, So thank you again for joining us, and we hope you'll listen again soon.